you are a guest with us, my name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at the table, so we're excited to have you with us today. Thankful for Cece here filling in for Cody while he's gone. Um, one of the things that's great about our church is that we have a group of elders that care about our staff and our health and well-being, and so over the last couple of months, we have been working on a new sabbatical policy, and so Cody is the first to take advantage of that policy. Um, and so after six years of continuous full-time service, um, the elders have graciously allowed us to take a few extra weeks off, and so Cody is taking advantage of that, so he's going to be gone about four weeks out of the office, and that's five Sundays in total, and so it is a true sabbatical. There's going to be, um, for him, just rest and relaxation with his family and things like that, but also at the same time, there's some skill development and things that are happening too. Um, he's going to be reading some books and taking some classes, you know, all the stuff that we can't ever get to because Sunday is always coming. Um, and so since Sunday is not going to be coming for a couple of weeks for Cody, he's going to take advantage of that time um, to do those things. And so we really appreciate the elders um, in their willingness to let us do that. Um, if you are a guest with us today, thanks for being here. Um, you know, when you walk into church for a, a new church for the first time, you may not be sure what to expect. Or when you tune in online, you may not be sure what to expect. But what we would hope it happens while you are here is that your faith would come alive. Now, maybe you're not even sure exactly what you believe yet, but it's our hope that you would um, come to faith in Jesus, and then that faith that you have begins to determine how you live your life. Um, because faith is not just about getting us to heaven when we die, but it should transform who we are um, and change us so that we, we can become more like Jesus. And so it's our hope that that happens um, while you are here at the table. If you are a guest with us, we would love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that for those of you that are in the room is to text the word welcome to 817-755-1668 um, and you'll get a link back that takes you to a digital connection card so we can get some information. We just want to answer questions that you have about the church. If you are joining us online on the Facebook feed, you can just drop a comment and say, hey, I'm new here and we'll do the same thing. Um, that way as well, because we always have new folks that join us every week. Lots of times they join us online before coming here. And so if you are doing that, we would love to have you join us in person at some point in the future as well. So glad that you guys are here. Let me pray for us and we'll jump into our new series. Heavenly Father, um, thanks so much for the grace that you have extended to us. That while we were lost in our sin, you sent your one and only son, Jesus, who laid down his life for us so that by faith in him we could have a relationship with you that should change everything about us and last forever. Thanks for the hope that we have because of that. And Father, I pray as we spend some time in your word today that you would speak to us, that you would draw us close to yourself, encourage us, and challenge us, um, Father, to be the people that you desire us to be. Um, thanks for the love that you continue to pour out on us and that you continue to pursue us with that love. And so I pray that you would do that in our midst today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so as we get started, I want to know how many of you are superhero fans? I need to see where my friends are today, actually. We've got a, a couple. Braden's here. That's good. Um, we got Chris is over there. So Chris, and I'm sure Braden is going to help me out because I'm going to um, talk about some superhero stuff that probably most of you don't really care about. And that's okay. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, it's weird because growing up as a kid, I wasn't really into superheroes that much. But as an adult, since we've had kids over the last 10 years or so, have really, really gotten into superhero movies. I mean, seen tons of superhero movies in the last 10 years. In fact, this is where I'm going to get real nerdy for some of you, we have seen every movie in the MCU 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Those of you that don't know what that is, it's the stuff in the storyline of the Avengers. There's a lot. fits all into the same storyline. You're missing out if you don't know. Um, so we've seen all of those. In fact, seen all of them more than once. We have Disney Plus, and so we watched all of them in the timeline. Um, that's what you get to do when you have uh, COVID quarantine and stuff like that. There's nothing else to do. You just watch movies all the time. So we were able to do that. And on Disney Plus in the last couple of years, they have released not just the movies that you can watch, but also limited series that also fit in the MCU. So like episodes of shows that fit into that same timeline. The latest of which it finished up around Christmas time is called Hawkeye. So if you're not familiar with Hawkeye, he is an Avenger. He shows up in the first Avenger movie, and he is known for his ability with a bow and arrow. But the show, and I don't think I'm giving away too much for those of you that might want to watch it, uh, is actually about a girl, young lady, who wants to be like Hawkeye. And so she wanted to be that for much of her life, and so even as a little girl, she picked up a bow and arrow, started to learn to shoot, and she got really, really good at it. But it's in one of the episodes that they talked about why she became so obsessed with Hawkeye. It actually happened as a result of an experience that she had as a little girl. So she lived in New York City during the Battle of New York. Those of you that don't know what that is, that's how the first Avenger movie ends, with the Battle of New York. Aliens invade, there's the Avengers battle the aliens in New York City. So it was in the Battle of New York, this little girl lived there with her family, and her dad was killed in the Battle of New York. And so there she is in, in her apartment, kind of seeing this battle take place in front of her. And as she tells the story, she says, I knew I couldn't be like Thor, because he's kind of a god. She said, I knew I couldn't be like Hulk or Captain America, because they had superhuman strength. She knew she would never be able to make a suit of armor that would allow her to fly around like Iron Man. But when she saw Hawkeye, a regular guy with no superpowers, jump off of a building because he wanted to help people, she thought to herself, I think I can be like that. She knew she could never be a superhero, but maybe she could be a hero. Heroes versus superheroes. I started to think about that in relation to how we view some of the heroes of faith that we read about in Scripture. The heroes that I'm talking about are the the Noahs and Moseses, the Abrahams and the Davids. And you may not know all the details of their life stories, but if you've been around church much, you know something of what they did. Like Noah built the ark. David defeated Goliath. Moses was the one who rescued the children of Israel out of Egypt. They did these incredible things. But I wonder, as we think about those heroes of the faith, if we actually might view them more as superheroes than just regular heroes. See, a superhero of the faith is someone who possesses an ability that normal people don't have. That's what allowed them to do the things that they did. And so when that happens, when we begin to view heroes of the faith like superheroes of the faith, something happens to us. Kind of, it's almost like polar opposites, one of the two ways. Either we say, how do I get what they had so that I can do what they did? Like there's some secret gamma radiation that we can be exposed to somewhere to get that level of faith. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to watch the movies. You'll get it at some point. 
Or, and I think this is probably true for more people, they say, I'll never have what they had. I'll never be able to do what they did. So why even try? And when we begin to view our faith heroes as superheroes, we develop a superhuman view of faith, too. It's a faith that it's what allowed these people to do what they did. It's, it's a level of faith that normal people don't possess. It's a, a faith that never is afraid, never doubts, simply takes God at their word, and likely makes you sinless at some point. That's the faith of a superhero. But I want you to know that is not faith in the real world. That's faith of a fantasy world. It's not real faith for our heroes of the faith. It's not real faith for us either. And so, we, like I mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago, we are beginning a new series on the life of Abraham today. And so we're going to see Abraham's story played out in front of us, see the things that he went through, develop an understanding of faith based on his life. And as we talk about Abraham's story, there are going to be times where we're going to be comforted by what we find as we look at how Abraham lived out his faith in real life, because he made mistakes too. And so in the moments of struggle that we experience, we recognize we're not the only ones. At the same time, I also want us to be challenged by some of what we read, maybe challenged by the good things that Abraham did so that we grow in our faith, or maybe even learning from the mistakes that Abraham made so that we don't do the same thing. But more than anything else, here's my hope for us in this series, is that we learn to trust God, because that's what the life of faith is really all about. So if you do have a Bible, we're going to begin this morning at what is referred to, it's recounting the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible, the book of Genesis, it's the first book in the Bible. Genesis literally means beginnings, and so it is the first book in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, um, the scripture that we're looking at in Genesis 12, 1 through 9, it's going to be on the screen as I read it in just a second. Or... If you are a version Bible app user, you can find your way to our live event and follow along there. Um, there's always some helpful stuff that's in there. One of the things that's in there um, on a weekly basis, I would just draw your attention to it today, is our question for questions for further application and small group discussion. Many of our groups are going to be using this over the next few weeks as we go through this series. So there's lots of helpful questions along with supplementary scriptures to look at as well. So if you're in a group, you guys are going to be doing that with your group. Um, if you're not in a group, you can be exposed to some of those things as well. It's the call of Abraham where God showed up, called Abraham, told him to leave his family and go to the land that God would show him. And God promises that he's going to be a great nation and that he is going to bless him. Um, and so that's the passage that we're looking at this morning. I'm going to read it, Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, if I say Abraham a lot today and throughout this series, know that his name becomes Abraham at some point, but it's typically how um, we know him as Abraham and not Abram. He is Abram here. So if I mess up today, know that we're talking about the same guy. He just gets his name changed later. So the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 
He took his wife Sarai, who we know better as Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they'd accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they sent out, set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of the site of Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, he built an altar to the Lord there and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. You know, on the surface, this is one of those events where we can begin to view Abram not just as a faith hero, but as a faith superhero. See, I don't know about you. Every time I read a portion of scripture story like this one, I try to put myself into the shoes of the characters. And I think to myself, okay, if I were in that position, what would I do? And if I'm really honest, when I look at this story of Abraham, where he left everything that he knew to go to the land that God would show him, if I'm really honest, I say, man, like, I don't know that I could do that. But because it seems like Abraham left and never questioned anything, it's for that reason that we can begin to develop this view of Abraham as a faith superhero and not just a hero. But he wasn't that. But as we begin this morning, I want to talk about why faith heroes can become superheroes, why we shouldn't view them that way, and then what we learn about living a life of faith in the real world. That's where we're headed this morning. So I'm going to give you several reasons why faith heroes might become superheroes. The first reason is when we fail to look at the human side of their stories. Faith heroes can become superheroes when we fail to look at the human side of their stories. Sometimes in different portions of Scripture with different events, sometimes we read the emotion of the characters. Oftentimes the emotion isn't included for us. We just read the events and the action that takes place. Sometimes when we get familiar with the story, a biblical story can kind of almost become like a tall tale in our mind, and I think this is one of those stories. Like where it's like, well, God showed up to Abraham, hey, leave your father and mother, go to the land, I will show you. Abraham just left everything, and he went and did exactly what God called him to do, never questioning, never thinking anything about it. We think that when we fail to look at the human side of Abram's story. It's important to understand the decision that he had to make. Because when God showed up and said, hey, I want you to leave your family, he was a pagan, meaning he did not have a long-standing relationship with God. He was a worshiper of false gods. And so in the midst of that, God showed up to him and said, Abram, this is what I want you to do. At the same time, we find that Abram was 75 years old when God showed up. So this is not the story of a 20-year-old kid who God shows up and says, hey, I want you to backpack through Europe for the summer because you got nothing else going on. He had lots of other things going on. And I know ages at this point in Scripture are quite a bit different. Lifespan and things like that is different than today. But at the very least, we should view Abram as someone who was middle-aged, who had gained a great deal of wealth for himself and was looking forward to receiving a pretty large inheritance from an aging father. And if he left home and left his family behind, he wasn't going to get any of that. But that's where what we see in Abram's life like is. It's truly a story of faith. It was incredible to see Abram trusting in the, what God had promised to him and, and, and to go and, and, and do what he did. 
Because Abram had to weigh in his mind whether or not he could risk what he had for all that he could gain. Now, the potential for gain was significant, but yet at the same time, there was a big risk involved too. And for us to think for a second that Abram didn't think, man, like, is this really the right thing to do? That would be wrong. We'll see this in his life. There were times where he wondered, did I actually do the right thing? So sometimes faith heroes can become superheroes when we fail to see the human side of their story. The second reason that faith heroes might become superheroes to us is when all that we do is look at the highlights. See, when all we do is look at the highlights like this story, Abraham just left his family behind to go to the land that God would show him. We see events like that. It causes us to think, well, they never had any struggles. They never did anything wrong. They always did what was right. And that could not be further from the truth. We're going to see it in Abram's life over the next several weeks. We're going to see him constantly, regularly struggling with his faith, doing the wrong things. But it's not just Abram. It is true of every, especially in the Old Testament, every hero of the faith that we might potentially look at as a superhero. Every single one of them struggled with their faith and had failures and moments of unfaith, like really, really significant moments. David, he was the one who killed Goliath with a slingshot, just hit, you know, hit him in the head with a rock, and that was an incredible thing. But at the same time, the act of faith involved in that, but also David was the one who sexually assaulted Bathsheba. And in an effort to cover up that sin, ultimately led to murder. And so we see this failure of faith in David's life where he did like some of the worst things that we could ever come up with in the list of the worst things that somebody could ever do. But yet he's still a hero of faith. Even Noah, Noah's the one who built the ark. You know, the first thing that Noah did when he got out of the ark, one of the first things that he did, he got so drunk that he brought shame on his whole entire family. See, it's only when we look at the highlights and the good things that they did, we develop this idea that they never struggled, they never did anything wrong, but that's not true. It's certainly not faith in the real world. Another reason that our faith heroes might become superheroes to us is that we fail to notice the details of their stories. This is true of the passage that we looked at today. I want you to notice this. This is really interesting to me. So God shows up, tells Abraham, hey, I want you to leave your family, go to the land that I will show you. Kind of head this direction, basically. So Abraham did. He headed that direction. When Abraham got to the land, God said to Abraham, hey, stop. This is it. This is the land. And as an act of faith, Abram offered sacrifices to God and made these altars. So it was an act of faith. But then, did you notice what Abram did? Look at verse 9. Then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. Verse 9 tells us Abraham, Abram kept going. So get this. Notice the detail. God says, go to the land I will show you. Got there. God says, this is it. And Abraham kept going. He didn't stay there. He kept going. Now, we find out the reason that he kept going is because there was a famine in the land. And you've got to be careful with this because I don't necessarily know that leaving a place where there is no food in search of a place where there is food is necessarily a sinful decision. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But yet at the same time, it wasn't a decision that we would expect of a faith superhero. 
right? If Abraham were truly a superhero of the faith, he would have said, my expectation at least is that he would have said, I don't care about the circumstances that are around me. I'm going to trust God to meet every need, my every need in the place where I am right now until God tells me to do something different. But that's not what Abraham did. Abram kept going. And so sometimes we miss the details of their stories. They can move from this category of hero, faith hero, to superhero. The last thing, last reason that a faith hero might become a superhero to us is when we focus on the faith of a hero instead of the faithfulness of God. It's easy to focus on the faith of the hero because we see what they did and we see the faith that it took to make the decision that they made and, and, and those things. But yet at the same time, that's not what these stories are about. That's certainly not what Abram's story is about. Abram's story of faith is not about somebody who always trusted in God, always believed God, never had any doubts, never became afraid. But what we're going to find in Abram's life as we look at it over the next few weeks is that he was always afraid, he regularly doubted, but yet his story is about the faithfulness of God to fulfill the promise that he gave to Abraham in spite of Abram's doubts and failures of faith and fears. That's what these stories are actually about. But those heroes can become superheroes when we look at their faith instead of actually looking at the faithfulness of God. And so what we find when we slow down and look at the details of these, the, the, the stories of these faith heroes is that they're not superheroes at all. They're regular people who struggled with things just like we do and were forced to live out their faith in a real world just like we are called to do. And so I want to finish this morning by talking about what faith in the real, real, real world, if I can get it out, what faith in the real world actually looks like. Again, I'm going to give you several things to consider. First, faith in the real world trusts the promises of God in the midst of doubts and fears. God gave Abraham a very specific promise, a promise of land, seed, and blessing. He was going to give him a land, he was going to bless him, he would have children. That was a very specific promise of God. And it was an incredible act of faith for Abram to do what he did and to follow God. But again, for us to think he never had any doubts, man, it's just not the case. We're going to see God show up and have to reiterate the promise again and again because Abraham was like, I don't know if this is actually going to happen. So faith in the real world trusts the promises of God in the midst of our doubts and fears. One of the things that is a challenge for us when we look at this portion of Scripture is to try to figure out how to apply what God said to Abraham to our own lives. Because it was a very specific promise given to Abraham. And one of the things that I think we can't do, we shouldn't do, is just make God's promise to Abraham a metaphor. Because it was true that God was actually going to literally fulfill those promises for Abraham. But we do have a promise that God has specifically given to us. And that's the greatest promise that God has ever given to us, and that's the promise of our salvation. Where God has said, by faith in the person and work of Jesus, we can have eternal life. That's the promise. If we have faith in Jesus, we have eternal life. It's not, well, if you have faith in Jesus and then do a whole bunch of other stuff, you'll have eternal life. Or it's not, you'll have, if you have faith in Jesus and as long as you never doubt or question anything, you'll have eternal life. It's just believe, and you have eternal life. I, I don't know about you. I, I'm going to admit this. I don't know why it happens, 
I don't know what causes this thought to pop into my mind sometimes, but I honestly, I'll be driving down the road, maybe as I'm having a bad day, and the thought will occur to me, like, what if this isn't real? Like, what if this really isn't true? And so even for me, like, there are those moments where I'm like, man, like, I don't know, how do we really know these things? But you know what I think faith looks like in those moments where we're like, man, like, how do I know this is really true? It's faith that says, man, I don't have anywhere else to turn, so I'll just keep trusting in the midst of those doubts and fears, because that's what faith in the real world looks like. Second thing about faith in the real world is that it's filled with its ups and downs. It's filled with its ups and downs. If I were to ask you to diagram or graph spiritual growth or the life of faith, I wonder how you would draw that graph. Because many people would like to think, well, it's always up and to the right, straight line up and to the right. Like there's never any struggles, it's just a straight line up to the right. Now other people would say, it's probably mostly up to the right, but then at some point you can have an experience where you go like really far up and then you reach a plateau of closeness to God and that's like where you never do anything wrong. That is not faith in the real world. That is not what spiritual growth looks like. That's not what the life of faith looks like. You want to know what the life of faith would actually look like? If we graphed it out, it would look like a stock that performs relatively well over a really long period of time. It's got its ups and its downs, but over time, the downs aren't as low as they used to be, and the highs are always a little bit higher. Like, we're going to have moments where we feel really close to God and feel like we're living out our faith really consistently, but there are also going to be moments of struggle, too. And it's in those moments of struggle, kind of those downturns, we, we need to really pay attention to because maybe God's doing something in our lives in those moments, right? James chapter 1 says the trying of our faith brings about perseverance. So it's those downturns. Maybe God wants to do something in us or wants us to change something so that we can take that next step of growth. Also, at the same time, it's really important to gain perspective and say, man, like I recognize the thing that I'm struggling with today It's not the same as what I was struggling with five years ago or ten years ago. And it's then that we can see how we've been able to grow in our faith through that a little bit as well. So faith in the real world, it's filled with its ups and downs. Number three, faith in the real world sometimes tries to make sense out of the silence. Sometimes we have to make sense out of the silence. I think especially when we read Old Testament stories, we would like to think, And if I just had faith, then God would always tell me what to do all the time. And I'd never have any question about it, because I would know. Like, he would tell me. When we look at the highlights of Abraham's story, we can get that impression. Because God shows up here at the beginning and says, this is exactly what I want you to do. When we look at the details, like we pointed out before, there are times where God is silent on certain issues. Right? This verse 9, Abraham kept going. So Abraham finds himself in a situation where there's a famine in the land, and God seems to be silent on the issue. So there's a problem that Abraham's facing, and we don't read that God directed Abraham what to do at all. He didn't say leave. He also didn't say stay. And so Abraham is left in the midst of the silence to try to figure out what to do. And so the choice that he made was to leave in search of food. And I don't think that was a decision that lacked faith. Now, we're going to see this next week. 
The choices that he makes as a result of that decision certainly lacked faith, but yet the decision to leave the land to go in search of food, I don't know that that lacked faith. Because sometimes we are faced with decisions where we have to make sense out of the, out of the silence. Our expectation should not be that God is going to tell us exactly what to do all the time. There are times where we face decisions, we have to make decisions, and God seems to be silent on the issue. And when that happens, how do we make decisions? Uh, two things. We make decisions based on God's character, so what we know about God, and what God has revealed to us in his word. God would never have us to do to, to make any decision that would violate those two things, that would go against who he is or who he is, what he has revealed in his word. And so it's based on that, in the midst of the silence, we just have to figure out what we think is the best thing to do. Now, you think about it, we do it all the time on little things. I have never once met a person who told me, hey, I'll wake up every day and wait till God tells me what to wear. Right? We all, every day, we make a decision based on what we think is the best thing to do in that day. And there's faith in the background, maybe, as we think about stewardship and the clothes that we buy and those kinds of things. But we make the decision in the midst of the silence. Same thing is true with what we eat. Hopefully, we make wise decisions based on what God has revealed in his word, who he is. We make healthy decisions for ourselves and things like that. Stewardship involved in that decision as well. But it's when it gets to the big things where we're like, man, like I can't do anything unless God tells me exactly what to do. But I don't know that our expectation should be that God always tells us exactly what to do. Sometimes we have to make sense out of the silence. When a job opportunity comes up, like, well, like, what do I do? How do I make a decision? Or we have a child, our children are struggling. We're like, how, how do I parent through this? Maybe God is silent on that issue. How do we make those decisions? And we just try to do what's best. And I think faith is not waiting until God tells us exactly what to do, but it's trying to figure out what is best to do, moving in that direction and trusting that if God has something very specific that he wants us to do, he's going to guide us to do the right thing. Or if there's things that God doesn't want us to do, he's going to keep us from doing those things. Because sometimes the life of faith is forced to make sense out of the silence. Last thing about living a life of faith in the real world. Faith in the real world trusts in the faithfulness of God far more than the faith of myself. It trusts in the faithfulness of God far more than it does my faith. I want you to know the life of faith is never... Man, I can do it, I just need to have faith. It's never, I can do it because God's going to help me. The life of faith over and over again in Scripture, when we slow down and look at these stories of these heroes of the faith, what we find is, I can't do it, I'm not able to do it, I will never be able to do it, but if, God, if this is God's desire, His faithfulness, His trustworthiness, He brings it about. That's what we're going to see in Abraham's life. That over and over again, he struggled. He kind of did the wrong thing, but God was at work behind the scene, making sure that he could fulfill the promise that he was given to Abraham. It is not about me. It is not about the faith that I have or the faith that you have. The life of faith is about trusting in the faithfulness of God. And so those heroes of the faith that we look at, that so often we can begin to view as faith superheroes. They're not really superheroes at all. They're just regular guys who lived in the real world, who tried to make the best decisions that they could. At times, they really struggled. But yet, at the same time, God was at work because God is faithful. 
And so that's my hope, that throughout this series, as we look at Abram's life, that we lean in and learn to trust God a little bit more. Because in those moments of unfaith in our own lives, God is still faithful to us, bringing about his promises. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thanks for the time that we've had in your word today. And I do pray, Father, that as we go through this study over the next several weeks, that you would, I say strengthen our faith, but strengthen our trust in your faithfulness, not in our own ability to do certain things, because God, we recognize, man, this life, it's not about us, but it's about you. And it's about our learning uh, to be able to trust in you a little bit more. And so I'm so thankful for your grace and mercy that in the midst of our failures, you still pursue us. That because of your love for us and because the promise that you've given to us, like you still see us as being worthy in the midst of our fears and in the midst of our struggles. So Father, I pray that we would just learn to trust in you and that in that process, you would make us more like our Savior Jesus. In the midst of the ups and downs of our growth, that we would see your hand at work transforming us and making us like our Savior. So may that be an encouragement to us today as we go throughout this week, seeking to live out our faith in the real world where there are all kinds of challenges. Father, help us to trust in you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.